One quiet evening, the night sky above Scarlet Spires was suddenly illuminated in a blinding light. As baffled government leaders, military watchmen, and everyday citizens came out of their homes to investigate the phenomenon, the light faded to the point that they could see flashing, multicolored lights streaking across the heavens, downward toward the earth. Everyone watched as it fell lower and lower and eventually out of sight. Then after nearly a minute, a rumbling explosion of impact could be heard sweeping across the city. The government soon received shocking intelligence regarding the nature of this event, and in an attempt to reach the site of impact and recovery priceless and dangerous technology from the wreckage, they've announced to all people from every walk of life to race to the crash site and deliver to government officials what they find, and that the first individual to do so will be rewarded beyond their imagining. Some may find this public request odd considering they are unwilling to disclose what it is they are retrieving, but the government is acting quickly as they are certain that agents of Colin Cumberbunch are already on the move. The race is on. Welcome to Questopedia, a character and world building podcast. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bodley. And I'm Jake Bush. And this world that we're building, it, it's a mad, 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 mad one, right? Get it? Cause, yes. Because yeah, you said it was like a rat, rat race, race thing. It's yeah. a rat race thing. Um, I love Rat Race. That was a great film to watch when you're a, like a dumb 12-year-old. It's probably still yeah. good, but probably not <laughs> as good as it was when you're a dumb 12-year-old. Yeah, yeah I, I have a feeling it's one of those movies that probably didn't get good reviews. But if you were if you were a teenager at the time, you're like, yeah. This is cool. Yeah. Mr. Bean's in this. You're just like dying over like um, all the slapstick. Yeah. Everyone thinks that guy is Hitler for some reason. That's all I remember from the movie. I feel like nowadays, like people don't, you know, people are probably a little afraid to make like overt Hitler jokes. Yeah. At like at like veteran conventions in a movie. Everyone's always saying you could never make rat race today. Yeah. You can't do anything these days. The woke movement has killed Hitler jokes. Rat race. It's <laughs> killed rat race. As currently stands, Rat Race is 45% on Rotten Tomatoes by 128 critics, but it is 64% by audience scores. It definitely seems one that would have a higher audience score than critic score. That that makes, right. that checks out. Um, cool. Should we do our world building prompt? Yeah, it works for me. I'm just going to keep looking at reviews of Rat Race while we do this. <laughs> okay, perfect. Jake, you want to okay. take us away? The world building prompt? Yes. So the world building prompt uh, is related to sort of a fundamental aspect of this uh, whole episode, which is, because uh, I got curious about this, and actually the prompt was sort of born out of this question. Um, what forms of transportation do different groups of people use in Scarlet Spires and then maybe even greater Shavalo? Um, and that could be public transit, military transport, or, you know, what's like the equivalent of the family minivan in Scarlet Spires? How do people get around and how quickly are they able to do so? Now, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. You know, we've had like different things. We kind like, of touched on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if we've ever necessarily talked about people riding horses. We had a character who was half of a horse. Yeah. So he could probably move as quickly as a horse and people could ride on his back. That's true. Never thought about it that way. The other one, the other big one, the other big one that, that I came up with was um, dinosaur transportation. With the do you circus. think centaurs pump their arms when they run? No, I think they do it like Naruto style, like behind them. Like, <laughs> for some reason, that does make the most sense for a centaur. But like, can't you just imagine pumping their arms like in perfect unison with two of their legs? That's what I imagine. Anyway, I think they actually like for added effect, 
they hold their hands up and they clap along with the clomping. <laughs> They're doing uh, Monty Python coconuts as they as they yeah. go. Like they all of just course. love. It's like so unnecessary, but they just love Monty Python so much that it's become like a, a habit because it's just like such a good bit. Like, look, I'm a centaur and I'm a horse and I am clomping while I'm clomping. <laughs> I think I think in honor of the fact that there are centaurs in this world, I don't know that horses are. Well, OK, Houston's character was a horse thief, right? On the first episode yes. when he was a centaur. Oh, so we have established there are horses. But what if it's more common to ride dinosaurs? That was what I was going to pipe in. We nice. we forget about dinosaurs quite a bit. Which is weird. That there are dinosaurs. It's a big thing for all three of us, I feel like. I feel like we're all big dino fans. We're, so, we're here on the dino train. Okay. Yeah, I'm a dino fan. The first time we talked about, um, like, the, the main transportation I feel like we have kind of talked about is, like, the caravan that the circus had. So that was, like, probably a dinosaur-drawn carriages or whatever. Some stegosauruses um, pulling a giant I think so, wagon. yeah. I think that's the most most uh, logical beast of burden of the dinosaurs. Uh, we talked about that a little bit, crossing the Interstate 1 as well. So I think there's that. We are at sort of this, this start of this Industrial Revolution. We've talked about there being some faster options. Some of these, like, moon... Mm. I think we call them moon motors in the there setup was, episodes oh, before we, we started. Yes, uh, the the episode where they had to stop the uh, laboratory from exploding. My uh, Tom Cruise esque character rode he had a, a motorcycle. Moon, he had a moon cycle. Yeah, that's right, a lunar cycle, a lunar cycle. So I think we have established that there, there are some of these. But what's your like your standard non Dom Hughes like movie star? Yeah, what are they driving around like the minivan? Like I said, like I said, the equivalent of the family minivan or the the Chevy Tahoe. You know what I mean? I kind of like to picture that there's retrofitted carriages. There's a carriage. But you just strapped a motor onto it. Okay. To yeah. propel the wheels so that you don't have a horse. It's like a literal horseless carriage. But it's not mm -hmm. like it was built to be a car. Like it was built like it was designed to be pulled by stegosauruses. But then, you know, some people are, you know, if you're sort of ahead of the curve, early adopter, you're getting a moon, moon motor and attaching it onto it and getting it going. And we call them moon rovers. Moon I, rovers. I think we, That's fun. Yeah, because I think we should include moon rovers. The fact that everything here is powered by moon dust. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and it and doesn't have to be what we consider a moon rover. But right. I, it's not, I would it's like not that roving name. the moon. It's just yeah. a moon-themed rover. A moon-powered rover. It's a moon-dust-powered rover. It does Another... run on the moon, but it doesn't run on the moon. And the the bluest rovers be called moon grovers. And they just have a cute <laughs> button nose. Yeah, of course. I have one more word that I'd like to just throw into the ring there, which is, uh, what if they have automobiles? <laughs> what if they had moon cars? Now I got nothing. <laughs> um, we haven't touched on public transportation. I like the idea. I, I mean, we haven't put a train in here. And I think we said okay. we wanted to eventually get a train in here. What if it's just there's sort of a train network within the island of Dexpra, where we're at, or like the Scarlet Spires the and the surrounding Scarlet areas? That could make sense. Because like I feel like if it, if it existed in Nocta Cristo or like any of the other regions we've been in, it would have come up. Maybe not. But like the valleys of uh, Superlinks don't seem great for trains. I don't know. What if we established here, here and now that that this is sort of where the idea of of public transit, long distance like public that. transit, is starting? Yeah, I like that. You know, we've played around with this idea that like technology is kind of having a breakthrough, right? Yeah. And so, like, moving from like animal powered transportation to like moon motor moon or moon term yeah. motor power, um, I kind of like the idea that like they have had like carriages. They have had something similar to like trains, like caravans, uh, wagons for like a long time. 
But um, if it's like a matter of money and resources that like your typical family isn't going to own a brontosaurus to pull yep. a caravan like for public transit across 100 miles, but you could buy a ticket and take that across the continent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But now it's it is starting to catch on more that like they're replacing brontosauruses with, uh, you know, moon technology. Yeah. Sorry, um, brontosauruses are out of a job. Did we touch on trains? Have trains come up? Yeah, yeah. We we just talked about it. Okay, I've been reading Rat Race reviews, so I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> there is sort of a network of of trains that is starting to pop up. Cool. And is the decision that by now they they run on moon engines rather than being pulled by beasts of burden like dinosaurs, or or could it be like there's like a mix of the two? In our world, we never had train trains pulled by animals, but in their world, that could be interesting. Right. This is um, a whole new I, world. I think we're in that industrial period where. We're transitioning away from beast-powered vehicles to moon dust-powered vehicles, but it's not a common phenomenon. Like, you yeah. still need the yeah. moon dust engine, and that is not in rich supply yet. I think they did have non-moon dust trains, though, because they've got big dinosaurs. Well, like, I, I think I, those... Okay, I think this would just be, like, caravans of, of carriages, right? Because yeah, I guess that's what you call Because once, once they're, like... Once they are motor-powered, that's when they're like, oh, we could put this on a rail. We don't have to use roads anymore. Right? Well, couldn't you put Whereas, it on a rail before then? You too? could, but it's like, why would you if you could just have a series of carriages with wheels pulled by a brontosaurus so. over any terrain? But like the rail is there because no one's like necessarily driving. Yeah, I mean, makes you sense, have conductors, but they're just making sure the motor's running. As long as the motor runs, it gets to its destination. Whereas yeah. previously, you had to have like someone like guiding the brontosaurus down the path. Right. Okay. You'd have a lot of train derailments if they were pulled by uh, brontosauruses and they were on tracks, I feel like. I guess so. What if they were like really well trained though? Yeah, that's good. That's true. Don't ever pull to the left or right. Follow the track. The problem really is the tail. Yeah. It always smashes the front cabin and kills the conductor. Yeah. So it's a rough job. But... Yeah. My only request coming into this world prompt when it was given was that we had trains. So I'm I'm content. We got trains. Can I share with you guys my favorite review I've found <laughs> for Rat Race? Yeah. Um, this is a fan review. It's from Thomas Brunkle. And this was you, Thomas. posted Thomas four years ago. Rat Race came out in 2001. This review came out in 2019. Okay. Wow. Just watched that childhood classic again. What can I say? A true masterpiece. I searched the whole internet and can't believe it's not on any top 10 lists anywhere. It's so <laughs> simple, yet so unpredictable and keeps you on the edge of your seat all the way through. In every movie, there's usually one or two scenes that stand out as the representative highlight. But in this case, though, the only highlight is the movie itself as a whole. Each scene wow. makes you forget about the previous one. Just laughter after laughter after laughter. This is definitely the movie I'd recommend you to watch when feeling down. Plus, it's so creative that they had an all-star cast and had Smash Mouth seeing all-star at the end of the movie. <laughs> I forgot about that. Five stars. Wow. This is the most glowing review I've ever heard of anything. Yeah. Yes. Also, I think that given that review, this has to be our best episode. And we need to have... Because it's based on the best movie down. ever. And every single detail that we describe about how our characters are going to race to this location has to just be like belly laughs nonstop. And we're going to record for the rest of the night. And we'll have to do a million takes to keep coming up with more laughs until it's a solid block of laughs for each character presentation. According to this one guy. This better yeah. be on a top 10 podcast episode list. Or at least this guy's top 10 episode list. 
And not this just is... one or two good podcast jokes. The whole thing is a representative highlight of yeah. the glory that is podcasting. Because usually there's only one or two highlights, but this, this the highlight is the, the entire episode. Also, I realize it's probably a long shot, but the guy that left that review, do you think that he has any siblings who have children? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Because I just really, really want to know that somewhere out there in the world, there is a man who loves the movie Rat Race and is named Uncle Brunkle. <laughs> <laughs> do you usually call your uncles by their last names? Like, oh, here's Uncle Bush. That's true. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, I know. Since most of most of your aunts and uncles would probably have same last name. They probably in their family, they probably realize the word play. And so they don't call them. They call them by their first names, but they don't say uncle. They say Brunkle. They just reverse That's the last name. Uncle the first Thomas name. Brunkle. Brunkle Thomas. <laughs> this is my uncle Brunkle Thomas. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. My Brunkle. Well, this then you are my, saying Uncle Brunkle. This is, this right, is my exactly. brother who is also my child's uncle. So he's my Brunkle. Every uncle in the family is Uncle Brunkle because it's their yeah. last name. As long as there's uh, a nephew or niece. Anyway, we can get into the prompt. That was some good world building that. for our real world. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to add real quick, just like, uh, so on a smaller scale, well, like, you know, maybe we don't need to because we're probably going to get into that because we're going to have individual characters deciding oh, yeah. modes of transportation. So we've decided the world's transportation. I don't think we need to get into the like, details of like what type of personal vehicles exist. You know what I mean? Because we'll get there. Yeah, let's uh, let's get let's get there now then. Okay, so uh, to add a little bit more context to our prompt here, um, and a little uh, a few more details than what we learned in the narrative, the dramatic narrative, um, it has been learned that this was a mysterious aircraft that crashed far to the south of Scarlet Spires. Um, and what happened? The way that the government found out about this is there was actually a group of like government agents. Uh, that were like in the area when it crashed. And so they rushed to the crash site to investigate, right? And they came across some very peculiar entities um, who showed them that uh, they crashed and they're very concerned because they are carrying precious cargo, which is a technology that baffles the mind oh. and actually to some degree has the ability to manipulate time and space. Not Whoa. on a catastrophic scale, but in certain ways. And we may learn okay. more about that. Um, so, obviously, these being government agents, they pulled out their guns and they're like, give it to us. And they were like, no. And they're like, no, we're going to fight you. And so a, a battle sassy. broke out. Yeah. Scarlet Spire agents and peculiar entities, I'll talk about that. No, you, it's ours. No, you. Fighters keepers. <laughs> anyway, so they, uh, a gun, a gun fight or a, or a sword fight, whatever you like broke out and uh, everyone was killed. It was almost a draw, except for one person who was mortally wounded, had enough time to call um, the president or the moon sedent, whoever the leader of the government is. What did they decide? The chancellor, the Supreme? The, no, I don't think there is a one person, right? It's the Senate. Oh, right. He called the Senate. The Senate phone started ringing and all the senators were like, somebody answer the Senate phone. And uh, this person was like, I'm about to die. But he told them, uh, what this was, because they were already aware. They saw the flashing lights in the sky. They're like, it's a crashed aircraft. This technology, it must be recovered at all costs. Right? And he died. And he did also yeah. share with them some information about what the technology does. So the Senate is very concerned, and they want this recovered as soon as possible. And they're so eager to have it recovered before the agents of Colin Cumberbunch can get there, because they probably have their own intel, that they just put out a mass request Anybody who gets their hands on this, bring it to us, and you will be handsomely rewarded. Now, that reward, a massive fortune. 
never going to have to work again in your life. Nice. And nice. to sweeten the deal and kind of motivate people, they said, also, this technology has wondrous abilities that you can use only one time under a couple conditions. It has to be for some purpose that isn't like world ending or super, super horribly evil. It doesn't necessarily have to be like for the benefit of mankind, but you can use it once for your own personal benefit. And yeah. you have to do that by the end of the season because then you have to hand it over to authorities. Right. And uh, when I say season, I mean both season and season. So whoever gets there, okay. if they <laughs> get there successfully. In a meta and a, and a storytelling sense. You, uh, you may be adding something to your inventory for future episodes. And the abstract, like, oh, us as players, we have inventory. Right. Okay, right. cool. And like that, that, you know, we just get a little, you know, a little we've definitely, loose there. We've played some of that with, with D&D where it's like, yeah, I got this cool item, but I was kind of sick of that character. So I passed it on to my next character. Well, it does exactly. have the ability to manipulate time and space. And so we could just say right. that your character gives it to you personally, and then you can yeah. use it okay. for whatever purpose you want. <laughs> okay, cool. We do need to, to resolve one thing. Okay. We've talked about sort of like the government wants it, and they want to stop it from getting in the hands of Colin Cumberbunch. Colin Cumberbunch is a senator, right? So I feel like we need to establish that there's like two, mm. there's like the good guys of the government. And then there's Cumberbatch and his, or Cumberbunch and his bunch, the Cumberbunch. The Cumberbunch is like a subcommittee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's sort of his followers and like he he convinced us to invade the Ottenham depths, right? Like the Senate decided that um, they were at least at least somewhat on board with that. So I think this is this is him taking it even further. And so like the I, th I think we have to establish that the core most of the Senate is like, yeah, maybe that was going too far. Now we need to stop him from getting this thing. Or at least yeah. there's a split. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, it can change on the percentage, but I would say at least, like, a 50-50. Okay. okay. Or a 33-33-33. Yeah. Depending okay. on your party. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. okay. Cool. I think that's, I think that's what, how we should consider it. What was... The, your party was the firefighters? Yeah. Okay. So, it's, it's really the firefighter party, party and everyone else is maybe how we'll think about it. Yeah. I think that's... But, but our characters call. today are, I assuming, not in the Senate. I am not in the Senate anyway. I am not in the Senate. I am the Senate. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank I you. was actually surprised. Nice. Um, cool. Who's going first? I'll let one of you guys go first. I can go. My character's name is Daniel DeWicky. Daniel it. or Dan, Dan for short, Dan DeWicky. Um, <laughs> I feel like I was going to like save this. I think I just have to explain his name. His, he's named after the D&D &D wiki um, because <laughs> I, I picked a race and a class that don't exist in traditional uh, Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition, but there are totally busted versions of on Dungeons and on D and D wiki. So okay. um, I'm, I'm playing in the theme of the episode. I am playing a rat folk cartificer. He <laughs> is a rat folk. So a, a, a humanoid uh, rat and he's an artificer with an emphasis on uh, cars and building um, okay. uh, vehicular transportation. If you had to tie him down... A moon rover. Yeah, he's sort of a moon rover guy. Um, if you had to pin him down to like a canonical class or subclass, he'd probably be more like an armorer, but where the armor is a bigger thing that can move. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, uh, the uh, way a lot of the armorer's um, like abilities work is like you add infusions to different parts of your armor. And that's kind of how I pictured that. He's building vehicles by like giving special abilities to different parts of this vehicle, that kind of thing. Nice. So what I ended up 
imagining was imagine just like sort of the chassis of a car, maybe like a Volkswagen bug to keep it sort of small and simple. And then just picture eight big old spider legs on it. Uh, and that's that's his car. So like different pairs of legs have different boots on them because that's part of how those infusions can work is you like recreate these these magic items and that kind of thing. So it's this cool car, but without wheels. It's got big old legs um, and it can kind of, you know, run up walls. It can uh, glide. Can't swim. Can't swim. That's the only thing. You know, it can't swim. It can glide. No can't swimming. fly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If spiders could swim, we would be doomed at this point. Really. Yeah, I think so. Um, but let me get into his backstory. That's his car. That's his cool car. Um, most rat folk are very offended at the idea of being compared to rats, right? I would be, because rats are not great. They can't. They can be cute. I guess you so. Put one of them in your little chef hat, and he pulls yeah, on your true. ears, helps you cook. Does he find the term "rat race" offensive in any way? So this guy does not. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe other rat folk do. This guy actually loves being compared to a rat because he was raised oh, okay. by rats. Um, he, he, he was like, orphan. it's a bigger one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was down in, uh, down in Nidex, down in, in Ottenham in the area where, um, you know, famously kids are just being raised by animals left and right. Yes. So he was actually in Ottenham Depths. He's from Ottenham Depths, which has now been, uh, destroyed by Colin Cumberbunch, mm-hmm. but that's where he's from and raised by rats in an alleyway. And they just kind of thought big rat. They took care of him, raised him <laughs> to be who he is. And then he loved, you know, he loved uh, seeing the carts go by and he loved, you know, building things. And he got very interested in that. And he got a job in the circus doing sort of stunt, you know, jumping vehicles off of stuff and, uh, you know, being the motorcycle that goes around in that uh, sphere. You know, you've, you ever see that? Yeah. So he's doing that kind of stuff. He's like building, building stuff and testing it and, and performing with it. But then when the dinosaurs were freed from the circus. Question. How much time has passed between Colin Cumberbunch burning the autumn deaths and him getting a job in the carnival and acquiring those skills no, no, no. and then going on this rat race? So he's been he's been gone from there. He's he's been out of the autumn deaths for a long time. The circus okay. is traveling, right? The circus is not just in the autumn deaths. That's fair. That's fair. So he he left there a while ago. He's been traveling with the circus. Um but then when the uh when the dinosaurs were freed, the circus shut down and he lost his job there. So he went to go work at a little place called Moon in Nidex City. But then while he was working there, pirates took over the place. And it was actually him who uh, accidentally didn't follow a security protocol. And he's the reason they were able to break in. So he got fired again. Um, He's kind of he's kind of like the Forrest Gump of all our adventures. (laughs) Yeah. But like like the negative version. Um, Yeah. All this bad stuff is happening um, and just sort of happening to him. And his life kind of sucks. But he's like, you know what? I'm going up to the Capitol. It's it's time to to really make a name for myself. I think I can, you know, start start a, a business, an artificing business, really making these cool vehicles. It's time for an industrial revolution, and I'm gonna be at the head of it, and I'm gonna, you know, represent the rats and that kind of thing. So his uh his celebrity look like is Paul Lind, who is the voice of Templeton the Rat in Charlotte's Web. Okay. More specifically, a picture I found of him where he's wearing like huge faded sunglasses smoking a cigar and wearing what looks like multiple fur coats <laughs> anyway that's his vibe he's into it okay it's all it's all sort of for show because he's trying to make it in high society but he is he is a rat to the core i was gonna Love say it. i don't imagine him being able to afford all this but now he, he throws it all together yeah nice you know it's like 
you know, when like a fox loses a tail or something. I don't know. I just watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> and he just kind of picks it up and pieces it together. So that's that's his whole thing. So he wants to uh he wants to win the the rat race, you know, so he can get the, the prizes that have been promised, but also to, you know, make a very public show for like, look how cool my vehicles are, look how great I am. You should come buy my stuff. And he can the start real his prize his business. is his reality my ride show that is to come. Exactly. And hopefully this this doesn't end up being another disaster in a long line of disasters caused in this man's life by this podcast. Yes. <laughs> no, That's my character is actually my character is good this time. So I won't oh, murder good. or threaten or harm any of your characters. It's been a while. Purposely this time. Um I'll I will go next on that note, because I am okay. also an artificer. Um nice. but not originally. Originally, oh. I was a druid. My character was a druid, I should say. And That's a big yeah. pivot. Yeah, it is a big pivot. Um, my original character name is Idis Todd. Uh, I am debating whether to change that to Thomas Brunkle, but for now, I'm going to leave it as <laughs> Idis Todd. Um, so Idis Todd, he is a lotus den halfling, which is just like a very nature one with the trees kind of halfling. Um, he grew up in the Scarlet Mesa. The big mesa in the up region of uh, just and by up, I mean north of Dexpra. Yeah, of Dexpra. Yeah. Um, so very cold, very chilly area. Um, he once got major frostbite on his leg and they had to amputate. It. Um, and he lived with this enclave of uh, very nature focused. Just no, we shun the outside world. And so they eventually had to amputate his leg. And they replaced it with just whatever they could pull together up there, just like some dead wood. So he basically had a pirate stump for a long time. Nice. Um, but there were some researchers who came up into Scarlet Mesa one time. They had a lot of uh, special technology equipment and whatnot. And he just got really fascinated about the avenues he could explore outside of the Druid Enclave. Just like, I love nature. Nature's great there could be more to this world. Is there some sort of balance between nature and human development? Um, and he just really became fascinated with this research team and kind of just followed along. There's a really nice, caring uh, scientist in that group and took him under his wing and taught him the basic principles of artificery. Uh, so that's where he started doing this multi-class of he's one of two worlds. He's got his druidic background, but wants to be more science technomancy facing lot of ways um, cool what kind of artificer he is so i i'm actually gonna hold off on the subclass okay. for a second because he eventually got to the point he was able to take one plague make it a, a realistic uh prosthetic that could bend and help him run better and everything and he's like okay so here i found it balance between nature and uh technology what what else could i do with this um, he, so his druidic subclass is Shepherd. Uh, him and his family right. raised a bunch of timber wolves, which are like the family pets for the most part. Um, so he was very comfortable with all the wolves up here in the Mesa, just used them to kind of hunt for food and all that. And he's like, what if I made a metallic timber wolf just for fun, just to see how, yes. how it plays out. Um, so he did, and he called them his iron wills. And so he has a flock of t 
Timberwolves from his Shepherd Druid side and some Iron Wills from his Battlesmith Artificer side. Um, So he is both a Shepherd of the real nature and the artificial nature or or natural animals, artificial animals. That's Um, very cool. And I also like that he named his uh, named his wolves in the same style as uh, Scarlet and Violet uh, Future Forms. Yes. Um, It's actually based off the movie Iron Will, but, you know, uh, it all works out. Wait. There's a movie called Iron Wheel. Will W I. Oh, Will. I thought it was Iron Wheels because they were like wolves that had wheels. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, which you can kind of get where this is going. Um, he looks like Cuba Gooding Jr., who was <laughs> Love in it. both Rat Race and also in the movie Snow Dogs because he is a dog sled racer. Very good okay. at it. And he combines both his Timberwolves and his Iron Wills to do it. When he found out about the crash site, uh, the research group that was up there in the mesas were like, oh, we think we know what that is. We don't want to, like, talk about it too much, but we think it could be a very dangerous object. He would love to go get it, but we are actually super sick right now, conveniently, and we can't go get it. Uh, And I just, Todd, uh, is like, you know what? I'll go get it. My dogs can handle it. I can handle it. I'm all ready yeah. to go. So his form of transportation is dog sled. Uh, and yeah, he's an artificer druid. And he's going out. He's trying to see if he can beat everyone to get to the, the crash site. Cool. Love it. That's great. That is a fun character. Um, okay. Before you built your character, did you go into the IMDb for Rat Race and uh, pick an actor first and then build around it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask I, the same uh, question. I certainly because... did. And it was nice. like... Which one also has a movie that could have a fun form of transportation? And so I definitely I love that one throwaway reference as Jake is like explaining to us the premise. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like Rat Race. And both of us are like, yeah, I'm going to base my entire character on the fact that you said that. Well, basically, let let me, the person who said that, take this in a wildly different direction. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. You're going to be happy about this, Houston, because uh, I've, I'm, I'm branching out these days, okay? My character's not a human, right. not a half, half-elf. <laughs> um, and you know what he is? You're going to like this. You're going to like it. An elf. He's a kenku. Ooh. Wow. Mm-hmm. I do like that. I'm proud of you, Jake. Thank you. Houston's thank kind you, of the kenku guy around here. Yeah, he is so kind of the kenku guy. I feel like he's known as the kenku guy. I'm kind of the human guy. Which is yeah. kind of lame now that I think about it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, in this world, it's it's unique. Yes, that's true. This is my fourth halfling character I've done on this podcast, so it is becoming a trend. Yeah, I think we yeah. all have our types: blackbirds and halflings. Yeah, my next album. So yeah, my character is uh, a kinku. Class is artificer, but nice. he didn't necessarily. Yeah, he didn't necessarily choose to be an artificer. He kind of just ended up being an artificer, and I'll explain okay. why. Um, so. When he was just a young Kenku, he was born with um, kind of mangled wings, and he could not fly, tragically. He couldn't fly properly. He kind of like, you know, sputtered around a little bit. He got made fun of a lot. Um, And his uh, lowest stat is unfortunately intelligence, so add that into the mix. (laughs) Um, Now, also, I just have to make a a quick mention here. Houston, you're always like freaking reading my mind and making mention of, of things that are like <laughs> are like fundamental to my whole premise here. Um, I re-listened to the episode where you created John Lennon and I created 
Yoko Ono, and it kind of freaks me out when I think about it. Yeah. But you already referenced the person that this is inspired by because when they were young, Hitler. The, no, <laughs> no. You said it in passing. You might not even remember, but he uh, couldn't fly well, and so he went to like a sorcerer uh, slash like artificer who like worked with like moon magic slash technology, and they decided, okay, well, here's a, a solution. We are going to give you some um, metal like balloons that we can strap to your wings, and then we fill those magical balloons with magic moon helium, and they help you fly. Nice. Right? I like, I like to picture and that moon helium is one word. Like the element is called moon helium. Moon helium. Yeah, that's on yeah. the periodic moon table of, of moon elements. But um, he, uh, he also has a very dear friend, a childhood friend named, uh, who was also a Kenku named Rennie. Uh, right? Ren <laughs> okay. like the bird. Right. And one time uh, when he was like on his way to school and she was like, why'd you got those metal balloons? And he was like, these are my ah, magic flying at. balloons. <laughs> and uh, and they helped him get around. Did, did Remy wish she was a bird? Yeah, so God made her a bird. That's also <laughs> fundamental to this premise. So she could fly far, far away. Moon man, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she could fly far, far away. She had a Your trouble. Your character's name wouldn't happen to be Com Kanks, would it? No, no. His name is Forced and Blimp. <laughs> because... He was inadvertently like made very strong through these magic flying balloons. And he also became like pretty well versed with metal flying objects. Right? Nice. Um, now, Forsten is uh, inspired by something from our world. Uh, Forsten is the German word for forest. <laughs> it's not, but sure. He decided, well, I've read that song, some website. It's probably related to forest somehow. I don't know. You speak German? Who's... I sure do. I lived How there do... for two years. I Does... like that Forsten is just a combination of the word forest and the name Houston. Uh, and That's since true. Houston speaks German, it is the German word for forest. So does, for... <laughs> does Forsten mean something else, or did I completely imagine that? Uh, Forsten's nothing. Uh, Wald is how you say forest in German. I saw that too, and I almost named him But like, that doesn't Wald work for Walden. a forest gump joke. No, yeah, no. I had to go with Forsten. Uh, anyway, in my world, Forsten means forest in German. And so, unusual, yeah, unusual, unusual uh, German. In yeah, exactly. Uh, and so he, uh, Forsten is a city in Illinois. If it means anything, there's probably some German ancestry there. Okay, well, probably. unfortunately, he is uh, from a small region to the south of Scarlet Spires called Flalabama. And anyway, that was just some detail. Is it in one of the other Scarlet regions? Yes, but he now lives in Scarlet, and he, he's now okay. like located in Scarlet Spires. But he was from Green Balloon, Flalabama. That was what it was called. I feel like Flalabama is in the in the canyon, in the Scarlet Canyon, the Scarlet Hills, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so his his magic flying blue, his magic metal flying balloons, um, got him well, very well versed with the concept of of using like magic and technology and metal to fly, and uh, not intentionally. He just kind of got really interested by that, and he got really really good at it. Um, to the point that he would just like fly everywhere and he kept making bigger and bigger and bigger flying balloons until he accidentally invented what we would consider kind of like a Zeppelin, right? Okay. And uh, the reason that I, I tried Zeppelin, to give him... If you will. The reason, well, the reason I tried to give him a, a German-inspired first name is because he invented the Flindengert. <laughs> I can't see that going badly. He flies it around. Well, actually, you know, people say that to him all the time. And you know what he says? Life is like a flimp of helium. 
You never know what you're going to get. I can't argue with that. His uh, highest stat at this point is strength because he has the endurance to pilot his Flindenberg uh, great distances. And he has also learned that like he can throw in Moonelium. Maybe he'll even toss in a little bit, like, bit of like Moonoxygen. And he has like boosters in there. And you know what could go wrong, so right? So you're also getting like an Apollo 13 and a Captain Soli reference if we're going with Tom Hanks here. There we go. Sure. Yeah. Thrown in sure. There. Yeah. Except he's the captain now and forever. <laughs> Other important details here, just to wrap this up. Um, like I said, he's an artificer by accident. And the reason for that is because when he was young uh, and he was, you know, running through the forests of Green Bloom, Flalabama, um, Rennie asked him, you know, do you ever dream, Forston, about what you're going to be? And he goes, what I'm going to be? Yeah. And he just said, aren't I going to be me? So he never actually chose a class, but people like <laughs> okay. refer to him as an artificer because he built the Flindenberg. Right. Um, He's gone to be my... He, uh, uh, tragically, he, he actually married uh, Rennie and then she got, she was uh, ex very exploitative of him when you really think about it. And yeah. she, she eventually died. They had a child together and he's doing his best. But once this uh, crash happens and the call goes out for people to uh, go get it, uh, he just gets up, up off his porch uh, he uses his magic flying balloons to like float on over to his Flindenberg and he just takes for the skies. And somebody was like, Forston, what you doing? And he was just like, I just felt like flying. And he just took off to the south. Okay. So he's the kind of character where he achieves pretty amazing things, but it's always a little bit unintentional. And his lowest stat is intelligence. Yep. That's okay. Forston Exactly Blink. what you want out of an artificer. Exactly. Yeah. Accidental yeah, art intelligence. He's, yeah. an, he's an accidental artificer, that's why. Yep. Uh, it works. Okay, cool. Should we roll? Artificer my, is as artificer That's my favorite does. Counting Crows song. Accidentally an artificer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great Kanku tune, Counting Crows. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we've done it. So, do we need to give a little bit of, like, uh, explanation for how... Because I, I wrote it out, but like the role is going to be a little bit different this time around. I think it's it's uh it's not too far off of the last couple episodes we've done, right? It's, it's semi-competitive. It's, it's another kind of competition role. Um, yeah. but then uh so the overall success or failure of our so yeah, individual roles determine if you get there the first out of out of our three characters. And you have to explain how you did that. And then uh the overall success or failure determines whether we actually got there first or the agents of Cumberbunch did. Um, and then if Cumberbunch got there and we're kind of left in the dark, we may do one more roll to determine if we actually learn anything about this mysterious technology and its origins. Because otherwise we do, we just get it and we do you learn everything. Right. About if it. you, if you yeah. get it, we just know about it. Yeah. That information okay, cool. is revealed to you. Okay. I rolled a three, <laughs> not a three. I rolled a 13. Uh, that <laughs> one was like, bad. whoa. <laughs> um, I rolled a Real 13. Bad. So, uh, Dan... Dan DeWicky, Dan DeWicky, he, um, I think his approach is he, he gets up really early and he kind of, he's listening in to the Senate, right? He's, he's there like seeing what they know, getting what information he can so that he's in a good high position, first of all, right? He wants to start out high because he can glide with his uh, spider car and then he just goes for it, right? He's, uh, he's at the top of the the government building and he just glides on down giving some additional boost try and get some speed going 
and he's just going to sort of glide out there. Um, probably can't get too much speed, right? He's not getting the benefit of his, like, cool leg upgrade that he has on this thing. He's mostly just gliding because he yeah. feels like he visibility is really important here. So that's really his approach. Like, I need to know what's going on. So I'm going to really... He maybe can spread out some things between the legs to give it some extra gliding ability. And he's just going to kind of, like, float on in. Maybe maybe uh, maybe he'll see the Zeppelin, the... the what is it called? The Glim Glimblimblurg? The the Flindengerg. The Flindengerg. The Flindengerg. Um, so he, yep. he is taking a high route, um, knowing that it's probably not as fast as he normally could go, but he wants to know what's going on. So that's that's his focus. And he got a 13. So nice. a success, but uh, you know, maybe not maybe not the best. Maybe not the first one then. Okay. Um I can go next. Okay. I can tell you about the journey that Idas Todd went on. Um, did I mention Idas Todd is derived from Iditarod? Uh, oh, the I was actually literally thing. about to ask. I was like, did we talk about this? Because at yeah. first I, they said Ibis Todd, and I thought he was going to be uh, an Aarakocra. Nope. He's uh, Ibis Todd. No boy. No boy. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's a blizzard. It's coming down real hard. It's real chilly. His, uh, his iron wills, the, the joints are freezing up, so they're having a little bit of a struggle. Um, the timber wolves are just super chilly on a lot of food. They're having a really hard time. And he just one night just kind of looks over at his dogs and he is very compassionate, very caring. Just worries, you know what? I I need to take care of these dogs. It is not worth it to lose them, whether artificial or not. I'm going to do my job to get them out of this storm. So he puts the dogs in a very safe, warm Maybe he puts them in a bunch of sleeping bags and then puts them in a tent and just kind of like makes it a giant nap stack. And then he okay. just like uses whatever magic he can to carry them as far as he can. So they don't have to free. He's going to be the one. Not exactly the them. ideal way to go. Not the ideal way to go. But you know what? His intelligence is also the lowest stat. Of <laughs> um, we have very unsmart people doing very well. <laughs> he's using all the druidic an artificer magic that he can and uh, eventually gets out of the blizzard, but it was just too much. And he lets the dogs out and they just start whimpering because they can sense that he's bad shape. And if they knew what frostbites were, they would see that his whole body was covered, um, not just on the leg that he lost, his whole body. And he takes one look at them, cries, and it warms his face a little bit, that tear, but not enough falls over and the dogs are just so sad so whiny they start licking him their fallen master but as with all my characters in the season there is a wild magic surge <laughs> forgot the i always <laughs> forget about the wild magic surge oh man the uh, wild regardless magic of surge. whether a wild magic sorcerer or not and he happened to roll a 91 which is if you die within the next minute you immediately come back to life as by the reincarnate spell uh, guess what I rolled for reincarnate? He's now a tiefling. Um, he is going to be a variant tiefling that has resistance to cold damage. So he is good to go. The dogs nice. are a little freaked out, but you know what? <laughs> they sense in his heart that he's still Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, I, I was like, talk. why are you killing this character? I thought you rolled okay. Uh, yeah, I rolled a 15. And once he's good with the cold, he puts all of his uh, furs and whatever magic he can, now that he's reincarnated, he's got all his spell slots back, and he is keeping those dogs good to go. Um, 
they're mostly out of the blizzard now, so it's fine. But they keep going. They're motivated. They get they're faster than Brian's character. Okay, cool. So we got thirteen, fifteen. I'm liking our odds against Cumberbunch, but yes. Well, I think it's safe to say we could just say it now. We beat Cumberbunch. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And uh, I, I want to retcon something real quick uh, because I mentioned that my uh, my character uh, married uh, Rennie and uh, was left with her child um, and he's doing the best he can. That was actually like a glimpse into the future. In reality, oh, uh, that, okay. that hasn't happened yet. Uh, Rennie, okay. Rennie came to visit and stayed the night. Um, and that, you know, it's implied that that might be where the child came from. But she left the following morning without even saying goodbye. Right, and they so, made an egg. Yeah, they made an egg, and they were so busy making that egg that they didn't even see the 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 lights like flashing across the sky. So Forsten, he wakes up, she's gone, um, and he lives outside of Scarlet Spires. Like he kind of lives on the on the borders of Scarlet Spires and uh, Flalabama, and uh, he kind of has like a like an older house with like a nice big wraparound porch. And so he's just like sitting on that porch. And so what I love about this is that. Uh, he's kind of, you know, trying to process these emotions he's having over the fact that Rennie just got up and left without even saying goodbye after, you know, sharing a night together. He's completely oblivious to the fact that the whole world is rushing to, uh, this crash site. Um, but again, he just decides, you know what? He stands up, he goes over to his, uh, Flingengerg that he's got, uh, parked under a, a big old willow tree. And, uh, he gets up on in it because he just felt like flying. And he starts flying south. Um, and at this point, uh, things go really, really well for him, in spite of the fact that he is like not even really trying. He's not yeah. even like part of the competition. So let me just kind of like paint a, that paint a picture movie, for you. Forrest Gump. Must, yes, yes. And so that's kind of why this works out so perfectly. Um, he uh, gets up and he just starts floating on southward. And let me kind of paint a picture for you. He's uh, floating on, and there's just kind of a montage of, like, beautiful, like, landscapes. And uh, he, you know, there's, like, canyons and forests. And he just, like, is inspired to keep flying. And it's a really good montage. And he's just, like, happy to be there. Okay? And, in fact, people see the Flindenberg flying over, and they're so inspired by him. People start following him, and people are like, "Wow, I know we're supposed to be racing toward this technology, but I just this guy's got this guy knows something that we don't. Look at the Flindinger go!" And he's up there, Forsten's up there, and he's like, "I think I'll throw some oxygen in the back," and it just goes when I like boost to like a thousand miles an hour, right? And he's fine. He's just like flying on down. Anyway, and so the montage starts to fade out, and. Uh, Along the way, he uh, gets a lot of loyal people like gliding behind him. There's people on bicycles underneath. There's even a train that decides just to follow the Flindengert because they figure that he's yeah. got this figured out, right? Or caravan, maybe. It's not how it doesn't yeah. have to follow tracks. Yeah, uh, caravan. There's people riding pterodactyls behind him, right? And he's just, yeah. he's not even really looking back. He's just kind of yeah. inspiring all of Scarlet Spires with his quest. I mean, I think Dan Dwicky, uh, similar to last episode, is just going to fall fall in line behind you. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, he he does after you know after a, a short time because he is moving very quickly uh, because of this brilliant idea of mixing helium with oxygen and blasting it out the back. Um, he looks down and he sees like some smoke on the ground, and he sees like a saucer shaped like something down there, and he also sees like 
some bodies strewn out and he kind of he he remembers his 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 time serving in the in the war against uh warring kingdom and uh he says well i gotta go get those people and he uh dips down uh the 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 flindenberg and uh he gets out he kind of parks it and he jogs on over and he realizes that unfortunately everyone there is dead um but um the peculiar creatures are dead the yeah everyone because there was okay. a firefight and like i said it was almost a draw the agents killed all of okay. the peculiar creatures and only one agent was left mortally wounded to relay the message before he died that's that's, that's right. why they yeah. didn't just bring it back themselves right yeah yeah okay um and but he sees this glowing light coming from the door of this craft and he sort of like walks on over to it and this entire like all these throngs of people that have been following him the entire time they all like land or they like come up and one person's like a journalist and they like they uh like run up to him and they're like forston forston did you find the technology and he just responds he goes i didn't know i was supposed to be looking for it um <laughs> but he walks in and there's a glowing orb and he just reaches in and he picks it up and he walks back out and he says, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll fly home now. <laughs> but then on his way, you know, he learns more and he gets back and his house is flooded with reporters and with government agents uh, that he won the prize. And he is uh, he doesn't have to worry about money no more. And he also gets to keep this item uh, for one use during the season before handing it over to the authorities. And. He also, and or maybe handing it over to one of your characters. Or handing or it over characters. to me, his muse. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> a government agent pulls him aside and says, Forston, you know what you got there? Apparently this government agent is also from Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he goes, uh, glowing ball of some sort. And he's like, this, this technology is something we've never seen before, but it was explained to our agents before they died. And he says, um, what you're holding is a device called the Apollo 13. <laughs> of course. No relation to the aircraft or to the spacecraft that we know from our world. T totally different. That's just the name of the right. item. Unrelated. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he says, <clears throat> the Apollo 13 has the ability, when used, to undo 13 seconds of time. Or you might think of it as like one so roll. So it's like Galaxy Quest, too. Yeah. It's inspired by the Omega 13, but it's called the Apollo 13 because, you know, we're nice. getting real meta here. So mechanically, it sounds like advantage on a roll, maybe? Yep. I get advantage okay. on one roll. One nice. time this season. And then uh, I have to hand it back over to Forston, and he's going to hand it over to the president when he receives his Medal of Honor for uh, retreating the item. And he okay. drinks so many After Dr. After he gets shut in the buttocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll make uh, sure okay. to make some cool. more murderous characters so that you can put it into good use. Okay, cool. Well, we uh, we stopped Colin Cumberbunch once again. This is our second sort of stopping of him. We haven't like fully stopped him. I imagine he we'll owns. do that as kind of a finale maybe for the season. Right. Um, we're mostly just kind of mitig mitigating the effects of Colin Cumberbunch for now. Keeping him at keeping him at bay for sure. Yeah. So here's the plan for the rest of the season. The next three episodes will be in the underwater capital, following along with our capital theme. So that's what we'll do for three episodes, and then we're actually going to do some monster of the week on one of the moons, which will be interesting. So that's, 
that's what we have to look forward to. Jake, I recommend using your ability in the next three episodes because there won't be like traditional, you know, we won't do like a roll. It'll be a little different format for those those last three episodes. So look forward to that. Uh, thanks for joining us on Questopedia. That was up and bye. Oh, uh, I forgot something important. I did mention that if we succeed in this, not only do we learn what this device does, we learn where it came from. It's origins. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and more details about this encounter with these peculiar beings. And, you know, I branched out this episode in terms of my character's race and class and, and their whole shindig or whatever. But the government agent, when he tells him that this allows uh, him to reset 13 seconds of time by redoing a role, he also tells him, look, our government astronomers were able to trace the trajectory of this craft. And we're a bit baffled by this, but looks like it came from the moon. And uh, those beings that our agents encountered, um, they all looked human. Can we make this the Marvel mid-credit scene? post-credit scene, Idis Todd comes back to his community, and everyone sees, like, oh, you're a tiefling now. What is this? And they're like, I, I can sense that you're still there, but, like, you're a different person. Like, yeah, yeah, I am. I, I still have the same heart, but I, I feel grown. I mean, literally, I am twice the size as I was as a halfling. But I also just feel like a new man. A new tiefling, actually. Like, well... Does I just Todd, does that name still suit you? Like, I don't think it does. You should call me Thomas Brunkle. And then it cuts. <laughs> and then there's another post credit scene <laughs> that is Dan Dwicky. He's still up in the air. He's still just sort of gliding along because he realizes, oh, how do I get down? And then he gets sucked into a into the storm wall and dies. Schlecht. <laughs>